The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Big Six Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Friday, April 22nd. Listen to the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, not only would you get to see me do a bizarre, cold YouTube open that feels like super unnatural, almost as unnatural as doing a break and then like just sitting there silently for a few seconds, but um, you would, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, it's Thursday, April 21st. And we are going to do some offensive prospect breakdown, the non-quarterback version. We have a quarterback show in the feed. Also, a defensive prospect uh, breakdown in the feed as well. Joining me to talk offensive prospects, Ryan Wilson and the great Emery Hunt. What's up, fellas? So, it's just me, but Emery's great all of a sudden. Is that, that what we're doing? You're okay. here all the time. I'm not going to give you a superlative. Fair enough. Then I have to call By you the way, Emery Hunt, every day. Emery Hunt fun. is, the, if Brenton works less than anyone at CBS, Emery works more than anyone at CBS. Yeah, I'm with that. Okay, you agree. What's up, everybody? How are you doing, man? <laughs> What's up, Will? How you doing? I love Ryan, having you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, Emery at f f f ball game plan on Twitter, and obviously, is, is it? I can't. I, I I know the website, but I forget the actual URL. So, what's the website? People, oh, it's footballgameplan.com. Yeah, Emery always right right it. now is footballgameplan.com slash twenty twenty two draft guide. Yes, mm. he has a great <laughs> draft guide that you should go check out on his website. A thousand plus prospects. Which you um, might think on the surface sounds crazy, but here's the thing. Emery, like I said, is working so hard. So in addition to the NFL, he's doing the USFL now. He's doing Canadian Football League. Some of these guys can end up in the Arena League, Emery, as well? Yeah, some of these, it's, that's the thing. And we, we're dealing with two draft classes, essentially. So you, you have a bunch of prospects that's going to end up in one of the many different uh, football leagues. So you're absolutely right. I'm, like, concerned that my mic is picking up. No, we hear you. Trust Something, me. Something's going on. It's bugging me. I had to take I start celebrating. down and it's everything back up and it's just. It's fine. If you if I start celebrating, that means I can't hear you. So until you start seeing me cheer wildly. It's very loud in my ear, too, as you point out. Um, sometimes, that's, that's, that's us being on the podcast with you. That's right. So yeah, yeah, yeah I can't imagine. I mean, yeah. yeah. See, Emery, see, this is what happens when we get into late April. Once we get past April 15th, and it's not even like a tax day thing. It's just halfway to April. Wilson. <laughs> has had enough and he's tired of the draft and he's tired of working and he's tired of answering the same questions about the same prospects and doing these mock drafts of Pete every Tuesday. And you know who he takes it out on me. He takes it out on me because Michael, he's, Michael he's, Douglas I falling won. down. One, I'm <laughs> yeah. an easy target Two, I won't push back on it. I'll just like, whatever, man, get out, get out what yeah, you need to get out. Um, and then three, he does have to see me like three times a week, which would drive me. It's, it's an old married couple situation. Like, yeah, it's not worth the fight. I'll, I'll see you at dinner. That's right. Yeah, you guys are cohabitating. You know what I'm saying? Mm. We are. We have, we have a cohabitating. You have no idea. Longer than my actual marriage. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I've been married for 10 years. Uh, anyway. Jesus hates us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's start with the wide receivers. I think this is a fascinating wide receiver class uh, in, in terms of – actually, you know what? Before we get to the wide receivers, Emery, uh, I, I do want to ask Emery one question. Yeah. Who, who, who do you have – because. We won't. Who do you have going first and second overall 
Uh, who do you, who do you think happens if you had to put it? If you because we're a week out from the draft right now, uh, who who would you have going first and second overall to the uh, Jaguars and Lions respectively as, as of right now? If it was my choice or who I, uh, you can do both if you want. Who I think will go will probably end up being Equanu, and then I also look at oh. uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. Okay, mm. second. Now, that's you making the pick. You're the GM. Or you right, think that's and. That's what saying, I think will happen. You're, okay. So you're saying you think the Jaguars will take Iki Aquanu, which I love, right? Yeah, that would be spicy. And, uh, just given how the sort of the the rumor mill has played out, and then mm-hmm. you also think that the Lions will pass on Aiden Hutchinson for Kayvon Thibodeau, because uh, I think Thibodeau is a better player than Hutchinson. Um, I think Hutchinson is is a, a decent player, more like a you know decent. He called him decent, decent in terms of he's like a fifteen to twenty type first round pick, not a top two. You know, Thibodeau. You didn't tell him that at the combine. I'll, I'll be be sure to I, point that out. I told, I told, I said, listen, man, you're the. I thought he was better than Quiddy Pay. Um, and he was, you know, he was Quiddy Pay's version to a Jabo. I think yeah. he's better than a Jabo. Um, I just feel like Aiden Hutchinson is a solid player, you know. But if I were picking the first two picks, it yeah. would go Thibodeau number one because I want to see the Thibodeau Josh Allen combination mm-hmm. and. Because the cat's out the bag now, and Detroit, you know, was trying to play both ends of the, you know, of the sticks. Um, they can't wait to thirty-two to get Malik Willis. So you kind of have to pull a trigger right now. Dang, take the number two. Oh, interesting. That's spicy. Um, I, I, I again, this is the offensive prospect discussion, so I don't want to get too far down the road. But I think that it's re- so. I, I I told, I said it yesterday on the podcast. Um, I have a, a pretty good. Uh, I, I I mean like I'm not I'm not trying to like report this I'm just because I don't want to I don't want to see like re- like report colon this is happening and then it gets well when once you say it it is out there so <laughs> I, I know I know that's the concern but I, it occurred to me before during like during yesterday's pod that I'd been like you know using this information in like d- like group chats but I like hadn't actually said it on my football podcast in which we talk about the hey, just the say time. if you don't want to be official say you have a feeling. What's I have your- a really, really, really strong feeling. <laughs> what is it? That Trayvon Walker is the number one overall pick. Man, Ooh. I just don't. I don't like it. I don't I mean, like I, it either, and I don't see it. But and I again, I, I'm not disparaging Tra- Trayvon Walker, but Emory, if you're being honest, I don't know where you are on Trayvon Walker, but if you're being honest, you talk about production, it wasn't there. Now I get the traits conversation, I get the projection conversation, but that feels like more of a an Aiden Hutchinson situation as you explain it. That's someone you take after pick ten. If you're trying to see how this thing works out, pick one. And the here's the other thing, and I, I've said this to Brent on the podcast before. The 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 connection with Trayvon Walker for Trent Baalke is that he took a Alden Smith back in the day because of the traits. And Alden Smith was unstoppable as, as a part-time pass rusher his rookie season, and then the off-field stuff derailed him. But he also, Trent Baalke, passed on J.J. Watt and Cam Jordan. Now, I get the Alden Smith part of it. But you got to finish the sentence, and I think you would rather have J.J. Watt or Cam Jordan long-term, yeah. given how things turned out. What do you that's think? Good. And there's two all famers in the guy who got, you know. And, uh, and then you put the semicolon after the sentence and continue <laughs> on by saying, oh, by the way, Alden Smith was more productive in college than was Trayvon Walker. So oh, yeah. you, you, yeah. you have to continue to add on to that. Um, I, I just – I find the top of the draft fascinating, right? Sure. Because we kind of always talked about what we – expect is going to happen but i feel like we're letting two teams slide and skate like <laughs> if you're houston 
Who says you 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 go into the season with Davis Mills? If you're the Giants, you just came from Brian Dable. Brian Dable came from Buffalo. Who says you want to go into the season with Daniel Jones? Like, and Malik Willis sitting right there. Like, so we can't let Houston and also the Giants just kind of skate past and say, oh, yeah, they'll punt to next year. Next year's mystery box of quarterbacks. Yeah, that's right. When You know what I'm saying? So I feel like we about to get shocked in the first three picks <laughs> in this draft, whether it's Trayvon Walker going number one or, you know, Kenny Pickett going six. Like, mm. I just – I feel like we are going to be all having a cake mouth by pick four <laughs> uh, come, come draft night. Yeah, I think there's a decent chance that this draft, like, we're like – because – we got sort of spoiled by last year's draft where, I mean, it, I mean, like everyone, I mean, not everyone, but like, like 75% of the mocks got the top 10 pretty close to right. Well, the issue was number three, Sanford and Mac Jones. Right. It's, did you have Mac Jones or did you have Trey Lance? And then maybe but all five have, quarterbacks won the first round. That wasn't a surprise. Right. But maybe you didn't have Waddle going to the Dolphins. Maybe some, you know, like, but in general, you had Pitts, Waddle, and Chase there in the top 10 by the, the time you Smith, did your final mock. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and Sewell was there. So, I mean, it was, like, easy to do it. And, and there's a decent chance, as, as Emory's sort of pointing out, I think, that, like, Malik Willis could just be this nuclear bomb that blows up everybody's mocks if the Giants or the Falcons or the Seahawks or the Panthers or, you know, the, the Lions at two end up taking him. The, the, the reason I, I asked you that, and you answered it perfectly, though, is um, – the Thibodeau thing is Thibodeau. I don't know why. I, I love that you say Thibodeau. Yeah, I know. I know. It's he told he told Hassel that he, he he answers to both. That's right. The Thibodeau thing, I think, is really interesting because all like and we, I mean, guilty is charged. Wilson, I know you're guilty. I feel like Emory maybe has sort of stood pat and like, no, I'm not moving him down. Uh, Emory doesn't care about that off field stuff. <laughs> the, the the brand, oh, he care about the brand oh, stuff. Is that, is that, people are like, oh, I mean, he cares about his brand too much. He's got an ego. Oh my god, are you telling me that a professional athlete wants to brand themselves and, and has like an ego? Wow, shock me, shock me, shock me with your magical revelations. Like all these dudes have want to brand themselves, especially in 2022, and all these dudes have huge egos, and it does seem like sort of this undercurrent is starting to rebuild back up where Thibodeau's not getting past four. Like, he, he's just not getting past four. Is there any chance he goes one? I think so, man. And, and, and it's 25 because, to one to go one. Because think about this. I've, I've said this a lot. It's prospect fatigue. And this yeah. every yeah, year. You know, bad. last year when someone went, you know, whoever was going to get the first round pick, wow, they get the, the, the rights to take Kayvon Thibodeau. The next thing you know, well, we tired of talking about Kayvon Thibodeau. We saw this mm-hmm. in uh, the QB draft with Deshaun Watson. Like, oh, man, they're going to get Deshaun Watson, number one. The next thing you know, Miles Garrett pops up, and then all of a sudden Trubisky is better than both Watson and Patrick Mahomes. It's just prospect fatigue. I think people really just get bored talking about the same guys, um, and so they find other guys. Just like last year, it was like, oh, man, you're going to – you know, we're going to see Spencer Rattler and DJ Uyunglele be the top quarterbacks in the class, and – how that worked out by October. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, not what great. are we doing? You know, so I feel like cooler heads will prevail and talent will trump everything. Um, there's a joke I want to make about the Kayvon Thibodeau thing, but I gotta I gotta get it off air because we all trying to, you know, keep our jobs here. But oh, okay. I mean yeah. uh, I want to see what happens. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> He's, I want to see what happens. <laughs> I mean, there's a, there's a there's a decent chance that whatever the joke is will be like 
the least of like the third least offensive thing that ends up yes, yes. right because yeah. I, I watch you guys religiously and you're absolutely right. Oh, so I, as a matter of fact, I'm gonna get on the phone, go on, go on with the FCC after this one. <laughs> but I feel like logical heads will prevail and be like, man, just take the best player, and and that's Kayvon Thibodeau, in my opinion. Okay, I, I think that's interesting, and I I, I was talking to um, someone actually it was Chris Burke for the Athletic, who uh, our old buddy from Fan House Wilson and. You know, we just sort of, I was I was I was curious. I was like, do you think that the Lions could take uh, Thibodeau over Hutchinson if they're both there at two? Because there's a you know this narrative that they can't go Thibodeau at two because Hutchinson is from Michigan is absolutely the stupidest thing on the planet. Like who can, what, like what, are you gonna sell more tickets because you got a pass rusher from Michigan? Like get out of here. Um, so I, I tend to think those two narratives have pushed us towards Hutch going above Thibodeau. But when, you know, when it's time to bleep or get off the pot, you know, it, it, it may very well be Thibodeau going to, you can bet, I think it points bet maybe, because uh, I was on with the uh, NBC folks, as I mentioned, um, at, at, at points bet, you can get uh, Walker one, Thibodeau two at 14 to one is an exact, uh, an exact oh, boy, oh boy. You like maybe. that? I kind of like that. Um, anyway. I ate up 10 minutes of time. That was, a, I, that was an entertaining and productive conversation, but I, we do need to get to the, the offensive uh, prospects lest we, lest we end up sitting here until 4 o'clock yeah. in the afternoon. Not as not down for that, so let's go. No, nobody's down for that. Emory's like, look, it's 2 o'clock, all right? You got my allotted time. I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, uh, Ryan, your official rankings at the wide receiver position. You start hey, before, with, before you read them, let's, let's ask both you and Emory quickly. Okay. I think five and a half is the over-under right now at Caesars for wide receivers in round one. Is that right, Brenton? The over-under for – yes, it is. So uh, we were talking about this the other day. I I, I, I want to get this. both your guesses on how many wide receivers. Are well, I, I told you this. I was about to bet on my local site over five and a half receivers minus 220. Yeah. And at, at, like when I did a radio hit and when I came back to the site after doing the hit, it was like some selections have changed. It moved from minus 220 to minus 286. So I didn't take it. It's over under five and a half, heavily juiced to the over. There's been chatter about, uh, what, what do you think, Emery? Over or under five? Uh, we're talking like minus 300. You got like 300 bucks to, to win 100. Yeah, that's, that's, that's bizarre that they got juiced because I feel like. I, I'm with you. Once once we see where, let's say, a Jarvis Landry signs, right? That kind of takes one option for a team that was probably going to dip at wide receiver in the first round. I'm still liable to go over because of teams that have multiple first round picks that need receivers. Jets, Chiefs, Packers, Saints, you know, Eagles. I feel like that's there's enough opportunity there, especially if we get that run early. You know, teams going to be like, man, we got to get this receiver before the second round hits. And I, I feel like who picks at the top of the second round? Because that also could be a factor as well, where some team may jump up thinking that this team may be about to take a wide receiver at the top of round two. I better get ahead of them. So I feel like we're going to go over. Yeah, yeah, I think- I, I'm cl- I'm close. Like I think it's gonna uh, six feels right, and I think one of those guys. I don't think I don't have six guys going as first round grades on the wide receivers. But that doesn't mean teams don't. And then, Emory, you painted a picture as to why there might be some some teams eager to get wide receivers, either because of need or because of concerns about teams behind them. And it's you know people are like oh it's a deep wide receiver class you could wait yeah but like the top of the wide receiver class while it might not have a Jamar Chase or maybe even a Jalen Waddle it's still like a, a nice. It has a, a lot of nice upside, and if you're comparing it versus like a you know middling defensive prospect late later in the first round, I think you're going to go wide receiver plus 
Chiefs and Packers both clearly having traded away those, you know, uh, Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams respectively with four picks in the last uh, 10 or so, you know, probably targets there for wide receiver. Anywho, Wilson, your rankings. Number one, Garrett Wilson. Number two, Drake London. Number three, Jamison Williams. Four, Traylon Burks. And five, Chris Olave. Five very nice prospects. Certainly, I think all <laughs> basically locked into going in the first round. Uh, could you tell me why Jamison Williams is not number one? Because I think you're foolish for not having him one. Uh, just because his, his knee has been recently reconstructed, and that's it. Like, if he were healthy, he'd be number one. Interesting. Um, and then, you know, you just move everyone down one spot uh, between Garrett and Drake. But, um, yeah, Jameson Williams is electric. One-year productivity, I don't care. I mean, he left Ohio State to play, which is always funny to say. You have to go to Alabama to get playing time. But um, he was just destroying SEC cornerbacks week in and week out. And, and the only thing that could stop him is the the freaking turf. And I wish they quit playing football games on turf because these kids are getting hurt um, for reasons that I don't even understand. I mean, we talk about the Panthers at number six having the, the, the sixth overall pick and David Tepper. David Tepper is literally the richest person in the NFL. Like, he's the richest owner. He has tens of billions of dollars, and he's putting turf in the stadium. Uh, how's that protecting your investment? That's just my little rant that I go on when I talk about turf. But Garrett Wilson, Garrett Wilson to me, reminds me of Odell Beckham at his best, just the athleticism and, and the twitchiness and the ability to get off the line of scrimmage and how you can't cover him in short areas, his ability to go up to get the ball. I, I, I love him. And it's funny because we asked him at the combine who was faster, him and Olave, and he said Olave's, fa- Olave's faster. Garrett Wilson ended up timing faster. He plays faster. Olave isn't quite as strong or as explosive as Garrett Wilson. He's a probably better route runner. Garrett Wilson had some focus drops, but I'm not concerned about those. I think he'll be fine. Um, Drake London at 2, 6'4", 219. Didn't run pro day or combine because of that foot injury late in the season, that the end of the season early. He's probably a 4'5 guy. You watch him play, he he plays plenty faster than me. I know folks, as, as Emery's talked about, the, the fatigue this time of year, looking for reasons to, to pick holes in games. I had a scout tell me once early on, he's like, look, man, you don't have to, there doesn't have to be something wrong with the player. Drake Lund is good. He's running by dudes. And when he's not running by dudes, he's high pointing the ball. Um, he played on the USC basketball team a little bit. His senior year of high school, he averaged 29 points a game and 12 rebounds. That dude can can play. He can play uh, above the rim, so to speak. So he's number two, Minson Jameson Williams, Traylon Burks. Uh, Presco doesn't like Jalen Bur- uh, Burks because he plays slow. Every time he says that, we're watching a clip of him running by somebody, an SEC cornerback. He goes, yeah, yeah, I, I know, but he plays slow. Teams are worried he's going to get fat. No one's worried about him getting fat. He ran a 4.55. He plays faster than that. Anquan Bolden ran a 4.7. Turns out he was pretty good, too. Um, he reminds me of Anquan. It reminds me of Debo Samuel. reminds me of Juju Smith-Schuster. If I'm the Steelers at 20 and, and some other guys are, are gone that you may be targeting, I'm taking Traylon Burks, and I think it's easy. Then Chris Olave, he feels like he could end up somewhere like I may not be as high on him as other people, Emery. I'm interested to hear what you think, but I feel like he ends up somewhere like Green Bay or maybe even Kansas City. I mentioned earlier, he, he's not that strong, so he can get knocked off his routes. Um, great hands, runs great great routes, and I feel like in a, in a system, either in Green Bay or Kansas City, you know, he'll flourish immediately. And he could be one of the the first or second wide receivers that those teams take with those two draft picks in the first round because they need they need to find some, find some wide receivers after they lost Tyree Kill and, and Devontae Adams. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was gonna say, Emory, just curious, your thoughts on Wilson's rankings, what you might differ on, and and if there's a, you know, somebody that would slide into your top five that's not there on his. Uh, you know, it's it's a solid list. I mean, I, you know, I break the receiver position down by you know split in Z receiver, slot receiver, big inside receiver, um, and I see my number one split, Drake London, number one, uh, you know, 
a number two split in uh, Chris Olave. Uh, Wilson's my number one inside, and, and Burks I feel like is a he's like my fifth, I believe, slot receiver. Jamison Williams is my number one slot receiver, um, and I, I feel like you know this is you can't go wrong with this no matter how you rank him. I would probably have it um, London Williams Olave, then uh, Wilson, then or well, Burks, then Wilson. Um, I feel like Wilson is is good. I, I just he I think Wilson is someone that doesn't play up to his time speed. That's why we all thought Alave was faster. That's why we were shocked that Wilson ran faster. Um, but Wilson is someone that has, you know, really good hands. Like Ryan said, I'm not worried about the focus drops or nothing like that. Uh, and, and London, that was like, a, sometimes you have these prospects that you watch, you're like, all right, I've seen, I've seen enough, like 25 mm-hmm. plays. Why am I wasting my time? This dude's clearly good. Like there's no, let, let me not try to find the weakness. Right. So now nah, this is a strong list. So any that's why I said those five are going in the first round, and I can make a case for my number one uh, Z receiver, which is Christian Watson, mm. also going in the first round, which puts us at six. You know, yeah. and yeah. then you got a couple other guys on the back end who could uh, who could slip in for sure. Wilson, when you look at uh, you pick, you know, <clears throat> typically speaking, when we've been doing this the last two days, it's the number one guy on your list, but it's like, you know. Who's your guy? Who you pounded the table for? And then, uh, you know, same question for you, Emery. Oh, I'm going with Garrett Wilson. I, I love Garrett Wilson. I, I think, I actually think he played faster than Olave. I know Emery thought he didn't, but that's, you know, that's why we're having these conversations. Different people see different things. Um, I, I think he's a guy that comes in right away and, and contributes. Like, he's a guy I feel like Zach Wilson needs. Like, they they have some dudes that haven't quite worked out there, and maybe those guys grow into those roles. Um, in, in New York, but I think Garrett Wilson is the guy that comes in. You have two first round picks. If you get an offensive tackle, if that's what you want at four, and then at ten, Garrett Wilson's there, and he may not be. That's great news. Now, look, if you send him to the Falcons, which makes sense as well, he probably won't be as good. Marcus Mariota <laughs> hasn't started a game since 2019, and you got one other player, Kyle Pitts, and that's it. So I don't that know, makes, man. I mean, Zach Wilson. Uh, <laughs> I, I just think I think the Jets are better than the Falcons, though. Don't you? As a team, probably. I'm just yeah, saying, that's, like. Your catch, you might be getting more catchable balls from Marcus Mariota than from Zach Wilson over the course of a year. I don't know. I don't know what to expect from Marcus Mariota. And, you know, I loved him last year. I thought he was going to gonna send Derek Carr to the bench and they can take him to the playoffs. Remember those two years ago? That didn't quite work out. But yeah, I, I love Gary Wilson. I think he's a top 15 pick all day long. Another place that makes a lot of sense is Washington. Again, the quarterback there, but we'll see how Carson Wentz works out. But Terry McLaurin wants to get paid, understandably. So even if he plays next year and then leaves, you have some something behind him. You have De'Ami Brown, who has a chance in year two to grow into that role. Curtis Samuel, who didn't do quite what they wanted him to do last year. Maybe this year he can stay healthy. So that's one more weapon for, for Carson Wentz, who, who probably needs about 15 or 20 weapons out there to make him look anything close to what he looked like at Philadelphia. Yeah, I, I probably would pound the table for Christian Watson um, because mm-hmm. I feel like these, you know, one thing that I know about these small college players, they know people want them to fail. And so it, it's tough. It's like being the first you know, kid to go to college out your family, you know, you have to finish, right? Because you, you, you are representing the family and all that stuff like that, that comes with it. These dudes feel like they're representing the small college brand. They have to star from day one. And I, with this skill set, his speed, his athleticism, his playmaking ability, um, his ability to affect the game on special teams. I feel like that's someone that you can trust um, that can step in and play right away, as opposed to, you know, worrying about whether or not he had some drops or, you know, think about he stepped up at the senior bowl on the worst day possible and had the best day out there when everyone else was letting the ball hit him in the mouth. 
you know, he's out there catching with his hands and everything. And so, I, you know, I could trust that guy. Played in a lot of big games in North Dakota State. Uh, seems to rise to occasion. I feel like he fits in Green Bay. They love long, slim, fast wide receivers. Um, I can see that being their type. Uh, so I, I feel like he's going to step in and be a, one of these day one contributors, uh, despite coming from a smaller school. Yeah, no, I love I love Christian Watson. I've typically had him going second round. Uh, but that Green Bay thing is a good point, and that's a good comparison. And we know he can play in cold weather because he was at North Dakota State. Um, so you, how many guys you think going in the first round of wide receiver, Emory? Six, or you think there's possibly seven? I think we could possibly see seven, man. Who's like, number seven? Is Jahan or someone else? I think it's Jahan Dotson, someone okay. like that. You know, someone that, that it, you have to be able to, to be a, a speed demon, number one. Um, I feel like that could be the guy because I feel like we stopped talking about him, yeah. you know? And, you know, so I feel, I don't know why we just stopped talking about Dotson. feel like he just fell out of favor and everything has been focused on Jamison Williams. Yeah. Dotson, Williams is getting all the heat, like the last All week. of it. I mean, all of it. Like, I know dudes who have bet him that, like, I like. I know guys who in the in the old group chat who will stand to like make a like a comma plus if Jameson Williams goes top six. I mean, like that's yeah. I mean, and, oh boy, that's yeah. yeah, that's that's rich. Well, it's 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 also like I think that you know we talked about the top half of this draft is so hard to figure out and could go so many different ways, and there are so many teams in the top half of the draft with multiple picks that we sort of ignored the. Like the like the second half of the first round is kind of being not not talked about as much because it, there's there's no you know there's no clear set on how the top half is going to go. Mm-mm. I, I agree. agree. Yeah, I I mean think about it. we 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 probably could see uh, again we we're in for a shock. Yeah. We may see Dotson go ahead of one of these guys in, yeah. you know that that Ryan listed. I mean we've seen that the last few years Henry, where it's like. You know, Ruggs goes ahead of Ceedee Lamb. Uh, you know, Rager goes ahead of Jerry uh, of Justin Jefferson. I mean, it, you know, it's, uh, Metcalf, you know, Inkeel Harry is the you know second wide receiver off after Marquise Brown. It happens happens all the time. Uh, if there, if there's a guy out there, Wilson, that you are concerned about, like the it will call him the uh, buyer beware wide receiver. <laughs> who would you who would you go with? I read the rundown that Dima said. Iki Aquanu's name is on. Yeah, I know. I changed it in the rundown because I was worried I would actually say so. Iki Aquanu is your 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 uh, your buyer beware offensive lineman, huh, Wilson? I'm looking at the email. So what does it say on the rundown? I got angry. I thought I was being trolled. And I was like, wait, I bet that's his actual offensive lineman. Uh, so who? You had Traylon Burks. Okay, thank you. Good lord. I, I know that because Traylon Burks was your buyer beware offensive lineman, and I just switched them. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. So I was like, "What? What are we talking about here?" He did this. Debo's out, out partying, and he fills fills in the rundown. I mean, that's probably like one of like the three mistakes Debo will make all month. I, well, I give Debo a hard time when he's like, "I mean, the he, biggest mistake he made was taking the job." But anyway, that is mistake number one. <laughs> all right, trail on Burke. So I talked about it a little bit earlier, um, and and Prisco brings this up every time it comes up when we do HQ about how. Uh, some teams he talks to are worried that Traylon Burks is going to balloon up to 350 or whatever. I don't know where that sort of came from. Oh, sorry, um, 350 pounds. I, I'm I'm, I'm exaggerating. Oh, okay, he, I was like, does he weigh like 290? No, he's 220. He's five. <laughs> he's six two, 220. Um, but gain weight. Prisco didn't say 350. Gotcha. That's me exaggerating the point. Um, and Prisco doesn't think he plays as fast as as I think he plays. He ran the four five five again. I don't care. And the thing is, we were doing yesterday. We did a mock draft show on on Wednesday on HQ and I had the Steelers take a trail on Burks, which is a fit that I like. And Prisco said, cause I compared him to Juju Smith Schuster, which I do. He said, Juju slow. I said, when did Juju become slow? Like Juju is not slow. He suffered shoulder injury and he couldn't play. And he came back and toughed it out when no one, th- no one thought he was going to be there. And I guarantee you, by the way, 
playing with Patrick Mahomes are going to improve Juju Smith-Schuster's numbers compared to playing with 85-year-old Ben Roethlisberger, who looks like he's sitting in a rocking chair back there. So anyway, the concerns with, with Trey Lumberg's is, is the, the sort of initial quickness off the, off the ball. But you can move him anywhere. The dude played in the backfield. He ran in arounds all day long. He's a big part of their screen game. And then we saw him get the ball uh, on short passes and take them a long way. So um, is he a polished route runner? Not yet, but he can get better. So that, that's a concern. And look, you can have legit concerns about speed and, and consistently separating because that was the concern about Nikhil Harry. Traylon Burks is a million times better than Nikhil Harry coming out of Arizona State. Nikhil Harry was a bowling ball, but he wasn't even close to being as as good as LaVisca Chenault, who had a similar type um, way he played the game. So I, I just think the Patriots made a mistake there. And instead of painting Traylon Burks with that brush, understand what he does well and, and, and utilize those things. But those are some of the concerns you hear, and I, I don't think he's as polished a route runner as some of these other guys, but I still love him as a first-round pick. Yeah, I feel like Burks is is I think he's tailor made for Tennessee. I feel like Tennessee loves Yeah, he's AJ Brown, but a little slower. Exactly. These these big thick wide receivers. Um, you know, I I just don't I just don't understand the 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 slight for Burks. Every wide receiver can't be Randy Moss or you yeah. know, Wes Welker. There there's types, you know, there's a a wider I mean, I mean, yes. I mean, like, you know, there's, you know, like you, you gotta be like, so I, I work, I work with somebody like that. You know, you need someone uh, to take pressure off and he's someone that has been dynamic with the ball in his hand. So I agree. Uh, all right. Uh, anybody, you, any, do you have a, anyway, all right, let's move on to the next position. I just, <laughs> just looked at the clock. Actually, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll move on to the next position and maybe Icky Aquanu will get dragged. By nice. Wilson. I will drag Wilson. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So the wide receiver is getting plenty. Oh, you know what? I uh, actually skipped over sleepers and uh, small school standouts. I'm sorry. Do you want to cover those, Wilson? Yeah, yeah. We'll, do, we'll, we'll do it real quick. Sleeper for me is Danny Gray, and I was talking to Emery about that before we started the podcast. 4-3-3 guy to SMU. He plays to that speed, 5-11. The funny thing is we had 187 at the Combine. 197 at his pro day. He was on the, on the Wilson diet there for a week and a half between those two events. <laughs> uh, but that dude plays fast. And sometimes you see guys run fast and you don't see it show up on, on uh, tape when you watch him. He plays fast. And even though he's 5'11", he is really good at contested catches. He does it consistently. And he also gets the ball within five, six, seven, eight yards of the line of scrimmage. And he'll take it to the house. And, and I think um, with that speed, he feels like a day two guy all day long that no one's talking about because, as you know, we sort of alluded to, uh, the focus has been on the top two or three wide receivers because, you know, that's sort of what we do in the media. In terms of small school guy, uh, Nickel State, Dejon Dixon, I know that Emory probably likes him, even though I haven't even asked Emory about him. He's a long dude, 
Um, level of competition might be a concern, but his best game came against uh, – what do you got on that sweatshirt there, Emery? Yeah, you know, it, it, listen, America's – You got shots at ULL? What are yeah, you doing? Right, goes, that's what he had his best game against. And that's bro, just, he lit us up, son. <laughs> that's the easiest way to find, like, to, like, get a good um, – like evaluation of a prospect is when somebody lights up your, you're like, your team. Like, like I'm not like if somebody like, you remember like, trust me, Stefan Diggs is going to be good guy. I saw what he did against NC state. Like he's going to be good. I watched him, you know? Yeah. But um, he's a long guy. He ran four, six, something. That's all right. I mean, he, he's a developmental guy. You're not going to draft him in the first round. You get him on day three, have a plan for him and, and put him to work. I think, um, I like him as a small school standout. All right. Let's move to running back where Emory has ranked his top five and, to nobody's surprise, and and I mean this in a complimentary way, uh, your running back rankings do not in any way, shape, or form mirror the consensus that is out there, Emery. Uh, you, I definitely knew who the your number one running back was and didn't Google him. I mean, that was uh, who your excuse me your top five are: Deshaun Corbin, mm-hmm. Isaiah Spiller two, Brees Hall three, Kyron Williams four, and Zamir White five. No mention of Kenneth Walker. Mm. Uh, give me the, uh, the rundown of why you've got like I mean I, I think you're the like first of all Corbin isn't even bettable as the first wide receiver or first running back taken on my site like he, he's just field other uh, and then I think you're the only spot, uh, place I've seen where it didn't have Brees Hall ranked first overall kind of break that down for me well I, I feel like Corbin when you watch him he does everything that you want the running back to do at the position and it ties it all together vision footwork elusiveness can you be your own blocker can you operate when things aren't as it is designed on the whiteboard? You know, when you look at some backs, it's like, okay, I know these guys are supposed to be blocked here. This is where the play is supposed to be. But sometimes you have to create outside of that. Uh, and those are the traits that he has that, that makes it special. Plus, he has the burst. He has the ability to catch the football. He does a lot of things really well. So, for me, this is a, a evaluation on the talent. And wherever he goes, whenever he goes, I'm not worried about it because I know he's going to see the field. And have an impact and and for uh Brees hall and isaiah spiller both guys have the same grade uh in my opinion i gave him an 80 grade so what has spiller ahead spiller's receiving skills is dynamic you know he's not your meets expectations type receiver as a running back where you're catching swings screens flares and flats no you could send him down the field and he could be a legitimate threat in the passing game he you know won the colorado game with a deep ball going down the sideline, he almost, you know, was able to to get these guys to come back against Arkansas uh, by how he can catch the football and get upfield. So it's that passing of the receiving ability that has him ahead of Brees Hall, who is, I think, is a really talented runner, foundational back, starter back. Reminds me a lot of you know Curtis Martin and how he runs um, in terms of what he does and how he runs in between the tackles. He has a great sense of timing of when the big play needs to be made. Uh, so I, I like both backs, and that's why they have the same grade, but you know, slightly higher because of the, the receiving ability. And Williams, it's funny. Every year in the draft, we talk about uh, can his running back pass pro, and all of a sudden this year, we don't care about how they could block because yeah, that's weird. This is the best blocker in, at the position um, in this class, and he also is someone that rips off long runs and chunks. So when you watch him run whatever he ran at the 40 in the 40 or four seven it's shocking because wow he plays faster than that if he ran four four you'd be like yeah i can see that on tape he was running past everybody so i don't know why everybody's knocking him because of his speed because clearly he has football speed and zamir white loved the kid 
love the the ability that he has overcome those two knee injuries. He so I, I compared him from that sense and how he plays to Frank Gore. I feel like this dude is another type of Frank Gore type uh, that can be that guy at the next level. I thought you were going to compare Zamir White to you because you're two knee injuries. That's why you put him on the list. There. But he was like 75 times better than I was. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where he got one or two knee injuries. <laughs> um, Wilson I, wants to injure his knee a second time just so he can brag about having two knee injuries. Like, I so. can't. I can't. I can't keep up with Emory. He's got me. But I was <laughs> Yeah, Emory. Um, Emory and I were talking about this before the podcast. We both love Corbin. I just talked about Corbin and HQ, and it's weird that no one's talking about him outside of me, Emory, and, and B Mac because he's a Florida State guy. Um, yeah. And here's the thing, and I don't like to bring stuff around Prisco, but I told Emory this: that first game of the season, first second game, whenever that was, and he had that eighty yard, eighty nine yard touchdown run. Cal Hamilton is not even close to catching him. And the concerns about Cal Hamilton are the speed. And look, I get it. It's not Cal Hamilton's fault he scored. There are 10 other guys that, that didn't do their jobs there. But it just stands out because we, you know, we've been talking about Cal Hamilton for months. And after he ran that that 4-7 at his pro day, you know, people turned on him. Um, now, Emory, I showed you what Brees Hall said to me when I had him number two, and you put him number three. The only thing I, I quite, and I love you, I think you're exactly right about Kyron Williams. Like the blocking is what stands out to me, and he played so much faster than whatever he ran at the combine. There, the only question I have is, where's my guy Ken Walker? Walker is my tenth running back. Wow. Yeah, and, and here's the thing about Walker, and and this is the comp I gave him is, um, you know, the same comp I, and it's it's the same type of way I saw the guy that I compared him to. He reminds me of Josh Jacobs. You know, a solid, good back, but. You know, I feel like his four three speed is, you know, is a product of Indianapolis, Indianapolis's uh, fast track. Right. Um, I don't think he plays four three eight. There's no way possible he plays four three eight. Um, there's a lot of times where he runs into contact, and I know people will say, "Well, he had so many fifty yard runs." Here's a fun fact, guys: <laughs> speed has nothing to do with uh, breaking off long runs. And when you break off long runs, a lot of times it's about your vision, your footwork, and your ability to hit a gap. Uh, because up until, I want to say, maybe year three or four in the NFL, Reggie Bush didn't have a long run, a run longer than, you know, 50 yards. Who had one longer than 50 yards? Jerome Bettis. And you would say that Reggie Bush is faster than Jerome Bettis. Right? I, I, we would we would, uh, we would, would acquiesce to that. Uh, that <laughs> exactly. We would, we would, we would, we'll, we'll give you that one. <laughs> Right. And so I'm I'm like, listen, you know, Walker is good, but I feel like um he's for me, and I remember being on the show uh last year saying why I liked uh you know you know Carter, Michael Carter more so than his teammate Javante Williams, Javante Williams. I feel the same way about you know Walker. I feel like Walker's a, a solid back, but give me the guys that have the the great combination of vision, footwork, explosiveness more so than you know, someone that, that's good. But I feel like there's guys that are just a little bit better. Uh, who is uh, if you got to pick my guy, your guy? I like that you're not going top guy on the list, right? You're going with a different running back, uh, Tyler Algier. Is it Algier? Algier? Algier. Algier. Okay, not not a bad effort for me. That's probably That's like a, closer, a, a yeah. B plus effort for me relative to most other pronunciations. Uh, how come he's he's your guy? You're pounding the table for. This is the part I hate about the whole draft media complex. It's like <laughs> if we go back to let's say late September, right? We all watching that 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 late night BYU game after Alabama spanked somebody and we like <laughs> man this and you see takes on Twitter, right? Man, you know, Algiers my my RB1 in this class and a lot of people start, you know, 
RB1, RB1. We don't even talk about this dude no more, man. Yeah. It's like, yo, what, what the hell happened from then to now? Nothing. This dude is legit good. So I think he's of the caliber of your Javonta Williams and, and those type of guys. He kind of reminds me of James Robinson that plays for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So you're going to get a good, productive back that has special teams experience, plays on teams. Uh, so he's going to see the field, and he's going to get some carries and be productive. And it's somebody you're like, wow, midseason, you're like, oh, he's a starter for them? Well, that makes sense. Well, yeah, he was doing it at BYU. So that's someone I think can step in right away because he plays special teams, but also he's a very good runner. Yeah, he also caught 28 passes last year, which was career average. So, and I was telling Emery that he reminds me a little bit of James Conner because of that versatility. And he's built like James Conner. He's thick. And what was the USC game? He was just he, he ran away from guys. The UVA game, he ran away from guys. And as Emery just talked about, he's a four six guy. That's what he ran. But there's a reason he's running through arm tackles and then creasing through holes because of his vision and his ability to move well laterally and then kick kick it in high gear. And by the way, when you're a four six guy. And a four four eight guy's trying to run you down, and you got a twenty yard head start. He ain't catching you, so it doesn't matter. Um, all right, what uh, what about a buyer beware guy for you, Emery? Buyer beware would be Brian Robinson. I've seen a lot of you know RB one takes with Brian Robinson, or you know first round takes with Brian Robinson. Listen, man, you know I get it. He played at Alabama. We see Alabama a lot. You know um, they play a lot of big games, and you know people love to you know, have the, the fantasy of, you know, the, the, the NFL films run where you just crunching helmets and crunching shoulder pads, bro. You got to make somebody miss. Like yeah. you got to make somebody miss. You got to be able to rip off long runs. You got to be a factor in the passing game. I see him more as a complimentary guy, you know, as a four minute offense type guy, a closer type guy. Yeah. Like just like get, get downhill and drag some dudes for a couple of yards. Right. More Gus Edwards than JK Dobbins. Yeah. And there's no knock on Edwards or Robinson, but, I feel like people are elevating him to expect him to be something that he wasn't. And there's a reason why every back that was at Bama was ahead of him before they exhausted all those options and went to Brian Robinson. Yeah. And I mean, that's the sort of thing where, you know, I mean, like that's, that's a fine complimentary piece to have in your backfield, but you can't use a first, you know, obviously not a first, but like, you know, you don't, you don't really want to use a day two pick on a guy who's just going to plow ahead for, you know, Five, you know, three yards at a time, right? I mean, I think that's a that would be the concern. All the battering rams are always nice to have as well. Um, okay, tight ends. Oh, sorry, okay, I'm, I'm skipping it. Uh, you had a sleeper, Morgan Ellison. Listen, you may the name may sound familiar to some because he was at Indiana before he had to leave and he ended up at southeastern Louisiana. The dude runs four six, low four six, high four five. He can catch the football in the backfield. Um, reminds me a lot of Chris Carson, and we just talked about Brian Robinson and you know Chris Carson the same of the same ilk, but maybe a better athlete. I feel like Ellison is of that same uh, linear plane, so he's someone that can get in, uh, play special teams, but will surprise folks with how how explosive he is as a runner. And and my small school guy is Quay Holmes. He reminds me a lot of Arian Foster in the sense that he's a taller back. He returns kickoffs, so that so that tells you a lot about his functional speed. Uh, sl- slow guys don't return kickoffs. They return punts because they're more quicker. Um, but if you have to have, you have to have real speed to return kickoffs. And Quay Holmes did that. He was a foundational back for East Tennessee State, 1,500 yards each and every year, went down to the Hula Bowl, had a really good week. So I think he's someone that uh, will end up late day three or unpriority free agent, but one of those undrafted free agents that we talk about in uh, training camp that just blow it out the water. 
I dig it. I dig it. Um, tight end is definitely not. I mean, you talk about you know, stuff that's off the radar in this draft. Tight end is, isn't it? I mean, I feel like it's just not anywhere near the radar, just in terms of like, because there's not an elite, there's not a Kyle Pitts out there, right? There's not like mm-hmm. an elite prospect that, that people are thinking about using a top 10 or top 15 pick on. Um, your top five Jake Ferguson, Greg Dulich, Cade Otten, Garrett Pierce, and James. Mitchell, uh, break down your uh, your top five. Why you like those guys and Wilson? If you um, love hate or you know want to drag Emory's tight end rankings, by all means, follow up on it. Well, I I feel like Ferguson is the same guy. Like if you told me that was um, you know a tight end ten years ago at Wisconsin, mm-hmm. I'd be like, yeah, perfect. Yeah, that's that's exactly who it is. I remember him playing with Russell Wilson. Like you, like <laughs> all their tight ends are built, look, and play the same. Yeah, great, great blocker, slow moving, good red zone target. Like yeah. <laughs> it's the same guy, and so he's perfect. He's a he's a really good player, um, and he was just outstanding. I was surprised at Greg Dulcich's uh, tape because I kept saying, and I, I didn't want you know jump to hyperbole, but after the second game, I'm like, all right, I'm not tripping. This dude is like George Kittle. Um, he is a George. Hold on Kittle now, wait role. a second. You think he can block? I think he could block well enough. Like you okay. don't have to be. Orlando Pace. You just have to be able to get in the way for about two <laughs> seconds, and then that's all you need. Okay, right? he could do that. Well, and, and like, to be to be fair too, like if if you're coming out of Iowa as a tight end, I mean, even you know Noah Fant like got some credit for blocking. He's like he's not as good as Kittle, but he can block, right? I mean, like if you're coming out of Iowa as a as a tight end, you've just spent so much like time over the last three years blocking that you just kind of got better at it, you know, like just because right. that's, that's just Ferentz ball. I mean, that's just and, how it is. And I see Dulcich more of a as an H back, so more of a move piece. So you could kind of help mm-hmm. him out by not putting putting him on the line. Um, my number one in line though is uh, K. Dotton out of Washington. So I, I'm a big fan of him. I feel like he was criminally underutilized at Washington. Uh, I don't know why they just didn't throw him the football, but blocking, he's he's solid. Pierce was someone that I got introduced to at the East West Shrine Bowl, and I'm, I'm watching. I'm like, I was like, man, who's this receiver? And then you know, I look at the roster. I'm like, oh. That's a tight end from UAB. I remember him from week zero when they were beating the brakes off Jacksonville State, and I thought that was a receiver because he wore 20. Then I interview him, and I'm like, I'm like, man, this dude look like Travis Kelsey. He runs like Kelsey. He looks like Kelsey. He's from Kansas City. I'm like, all right, bro. Like, y- y- y'all got to be related somewhere. But, you know, he was <laughs> like, nah, I-, I just I love his game, and I- that's who I want to be. He was out there baking those linebackers, those safeties. He's someone that's underrated. He's my number one flex guy. And James Mitchell is another one that's vastly underrated out of Virginia Tech that can really move. So you look at this class, I think this is a deep tight end class. But even though there's no Kyle Pitts, but there is a bunch of guys going to become matchup problems all throughout game or the game week because of what they can do running the football, uh, running with, with the ball and running routes to get open. So I'm in, I love this tight end class. Yeah, I think it's going to be good starting on on day two. And it's and just sorry, it's, it's just sort of the same kind of theme as really the whole draft, right? Like it's not there's not an elite player, but it's a nice deep class with some like there, there's just not there's just not this whole draft class just doesn't have the standout elite talent. And maybe this is a COVID thing where you know guys were you know you opt out, you don't you know, like you can. I don't know. It's, it's, there's more you guys elite, in this draft, but not as many high end talents. If you were elite, you came out last year. Exactly. You know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, no, that's, that, that's that's what I was trying to get at, and you said it better than me. The only, um, the only, names, uh, yeah, Wilson, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, the uh, the uh, Emory didn't mention my guy Trey McBride, who's my tight end one. I love Trey McBride. Jeremy Ruckett reminds me a lot of Kate Naughton, and that he was criminally un- underutilized at, at Ohio State. And then Jelani, I'm surprised you didn't have Jelani Woods on here. He feels like an Emory Hunt type of guy, UVA 
um, transfer Oklahoma State wide receiver. Didn't play well over the second half of the season, but I found out he was injured. He, he turned his ankle, high ankle sprain against Wake. Um, I think he's he's going to be a, a a good football player as well. Him and um him and Nebraska's Austin Allen, both are legit oak trees. Like mm-hmm. Allen is six eight, and Woods is six seven. And when you're that tall, you kind of lumber. I know he ran whatever he ran at the you know four six one. I think yeah, everybody ran fast at Indy. You know what I'm saying? So we got some questions about that track out there in Indy. Come on. But when we talk about him playing fast, (laughs) I just feel like it's hard for those taller guys. They become one-dimensional. Hey, man, stand your big, you know what, out there and just go play jump ball out there. You know, so he has to be be, uh, a little bit better with his pad level. So that's Austin Allen out of Nebraska. And McBride is like my number five H-back. This is a really good tight end group. I can't stress that enough. Um, I I like him more as an H-back as opposed to inline. I feel like his blocking is a bit inconsistent. And I don't want to waste time with him trying to fight through a defensive end. Just push him back a little bit as an age back, put him on the move, get him out in the right way he can do damage. Mm. All right. Um, okay. The um I'm lost in my rundown. What what what, what am I supposed to who what name am I supposed to tell talk about? Our guys. Yeah, yeah. Your guy. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I got <laughs> I got um I got you know, Craig Calcitero who writes for uh covers baseball for like I got confused by <laughs> buyer beware. Anyway, your guy, who are you pounding the table for? Jalen Watermeyer, man. Listen, I know he ran a nine at the in the 40 yard dash. I know that, right? I know okay. he didn't. I know people love sharing his RES, you know, is all red, right? Mm-hmm. But when you watch Texas AM play, the dude is open. He catches the football. Kind of reminds me of a former Texas AM tight end. Um you know, that we've seen all throughout the, uh, you know, the NFL has success in, in Bennett, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of players like Bennett. And so I feel like that's the same thing. It, the only thing that worries me, and I was disappointed to see it when um, when I watched him on film, I was like, bro, you, you got to have at least some some pride in blocking, some. Like, right. at some point, you know, you got to get tired of getting your chest exposed, right? But in terms of running routes, Getting open. That's why I didn't even bother putting him, you know, as an inline tight end or even an H back. I have him as a flex, which is a bigger wide receiver. So it's like, all right, just flex him out. Don't even ask him to block. Maybe, you know, wall off a, a lighter, strong safety or something like that. But as far as catching the football and getting open over the middle of the field, that that's what he does. And I think he's going to be successful at that. So I'm willing to ignore the, you know, the bad <laughs> 40, the, the all red RAS. Ignore all that. I'm going to just gamble on the football talent that I watched on film. And uh, what about a buyer beware for you? Um, Grant Calcaterra, not because of his talent, not because he can get open. He's tremendous. I worry about the concussions. And, mm. you know, he've had, he's had a bunch. Remember, he retired. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's came, right. I do remember that. Came back. Played with, play with Kyler. Yeah. And, to, you know, so he retired from Oklahoma, sat out, and then came back to play at SMU. Did really well. But you always wonder in the back of your mind if, if he's one hit away from not playing again. And, you know, I don't want to see that. I don't be watching the game live and that happens, you know? So I, I would, I think he may go undrafted because of it. I, I don't, I mean, I generally, who was it that retired? Borland. The guy that retired recently. That was yeah, that's right. Chris Borland. The, the, that was about five or six years ago now. The yeah, San Francisco. San Francisco he, think, no, no, no. Right? I'm talking about that there's somebody who retired in college and then came back, like came back and then was like in the draft. I can't remember who it was. I don't know mm-hmm. who that was. I generally have a policy where I don't draft 
previous like anyone who retired from college football. Right. <laughs> That's a, and I mean, like I'm not like trying to make light of concussions or anything. It's just like if somebody was willing to walk. No, I'm laughing that you have a po- you have draft policies. That's what I was laughing at. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, we don't have many policies around this household, Wilson. <laughs> but that's, that's the draft policy where we don't draft anyone uh, who retired. All right, um, uh, your sleeper, Isaiah Johnson-Mack, and your small school standout, Andrew Ogletree. Break down those two guys. Yeah, Isaiah Johnson-Mack, the name may sound familiar to a lot of people that watch Pac-12 football because he was a wide receiver at Washington State. Then he transferred out of Washington State, ended up being a tight end. He went to a bunch of places. He, he, he left Washington State as a receiver, goes to Bowling Green, and plays linebacker, edge rusher, and was excellent. Then he transfers from there, goes to Saginaw Valley State, and ends up at tight end. And he was phenomenal at tight end. So he went down to the College Gridiron Showcase, and he was looking like a, a legit wide receiver running routes during one-on-ones against safeties and linebackers. So he's someone that definitely checks all the boxes medically. He's a core special teamer from day one because he also returned kicks as well. But to go from receiver, power five receiver, to group of five edge rusher, to D2 tight end prospect, that's someone you want to – he's going to find a spot on the 53, in in my opinion. And Ogletree was someone that uh, really stood out on film but also stood out at the Hula Bowl. Uh, he was the MVP there. You know, he had a touchdown or two. And is someone – is a taller guy, but, you know, he really covers a lot of ground when he runs routes. So I, I love the savvy he has for a taller guy being able to get in and out of his breaks. So someone that is trending in the right direction because of his postseason and uh, having checking all those boxes from all-star game, testing well. So he's building good momentum going into the draft. I dig it. All right, let's move to the offensive line. Wilson, your top five. Iki Aquanu, number one. Evan Neal, number two. Charles Cross, three. Tyler Linderbaum, four. And Kenyon Green, five. I don't think that's a particularly shocking uh ranking unless i'm forgetting I'll, I'll look and figure out if i'm forgetting something obvious but sort of give us the rundown there on on your top five um mostly focusing on <clears throat> icky yeah so i've talked icky evan and charles cross to death so yeah i know you don't have to spend a ton i mean i think it's again this draft is weird because it's defensive line and offensive line up top and that makes it less appealing from a public standpoint but yeah you all still have to talk about it which means it's nonstop chatter about Icky, Neil, Thibodeau, Hutch, and, and who else? You know? And I like Icky. I, I like Evan. I like Charles Cross. I like all those guys. I, and I, I think they all deserve to be top six picks. And I'll hope, I think it'll play that way. We'll find out. But Tyler Linderbaum, he's a guy that had going like in top 15, top 10 of these mock drafts that I do every week. Even as recently as January, I, I think he's that good. Prisco said he talked to a team that has him uh, graded as the best center they, they've graded in the last 20 years. Whoa. But here's the thing about taking a center that high and I have them going usually to the Cowboys at 24, or maybe even the, the Bengals at 31 um, going back 20 years, I think maybe since 2010. So going back to 2010, only three centers have been drafted as high as 18. One is your dude, Garrett Bradbury. The other one is Marquise Pouncey and the other is Ryan Kelly. And two of those three guys are probably worth the 18th pick. The other one's still sort of figuring things out. Um, you disagree with that? Bradbury's been fine. <laughs> yes, that's a homer talking. Uh, but I, I love Linderbaum. I, I think he's going to be a really good player. Creed Humphrey went in the second round last year. I wasn't as high on him as I should have been because he's good. I think Linderbaum is is better than, than Creed Humphrey. And, and again, you put him out there and he's going to go. And for a team like the Steelers who struggle so much in the interior offensive line, that just feels like a, a natural fit there if he's if he's even available. Kenyon Green is a guy who have 
uh, as the fifth guy here. Um, played outside of Texas A&M. He's going to probably play inside of the NFL, which he did last year. And, and he's, he's, I mean, he's nasty. He plays with an edge. And he's a guy that feels like he would fit perfectly on that Chargers uh, offensive line. They had some holes, especially on the right side. Um, they'll have some holes in the interior offensive line. And again, the recurring theme for this draft isn't that there are no, it's that there are no sort of premier quarterbacks, in which case you need to draft these offensive linemen to protect the premier quarterbacks that are already in the roster, whether it's Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert, whoever it is. And I think Kenny Green um, has a chance to be a really good football player. Now, two two names that aren't here that maybe you were thinking about, Brent, Trevor, Trevor Penning. Penning. Yeah. I like him as a late round one, early round two. And I'm just. I I'm, think he goes easily first round. He's going to go higher than that. I talked to a team the other day that said he's going to go higher than that. And part of that's based on need. I mean, teams overdraft quarterbacks all the time, and they overdraft the offensive tackles all the time. Like, like Penning's almost a lock to go ahead of Linderbaum just because of – No, I think so. I think more needs at, at, at the tackle position than there are at you know, the center position. No, I think that's fair. Um, but, again, he played FCS competition, so you have to wonder about that. He did really well against the, in the Iowa State game. I like the dude a lot. He was a lot of fun to talk to at the combine, and you're pulling for him. And we talked about pulling for the small school guys. I'm pulling for him to have success, but I mean, you take him ten. If you're the Jets, what you know that that's putting a lot of pressure on on a dude that may not be ready for that pressure, both in terms of playing at a small school and also physically. So we'll see. I've talked to to front office folks. He, he's not sure he's a left tackle. Maybe he's better on the right side. Um, I like his game. I just like it in the second round, not not in the first. The 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 pinning thing is interesting too because I think that it factors into. Um, sort of how this so like as I mentioned, you know, all these teams have two picks: the Texans, the Jets, and the Giants, right? Well, like if the if you're the Jets and you take a, a Thibodeau or Sauce Gardner at four, you're back to Thibodeau. You, by the way, I love that Thibodeau. I know, right? It's, yeah, whatever. Basketball um, season. It's That's just gonna be like if you deal. were thinking about an offensive lineman with your uh, second pick at ten, you may be in a position where you're like, oh, do we want Trevor Penning at ten? Because Charles, the, the other three guys, probably not making it there, but. um but they could go wide receiver. Anyway, I digress. Uh, your thoughts on uh, Wilson's rankings there, Emery? I'm guessing at, you know, number six, you probably have Zion Johnson. That's the only one that I would. Oh, I love Zion Johnson. That's right. That's close. Five he's and five. He's interior only, though. Like, he's definitely. He played, he played left tackle for BC oh, he did? in okay. 2020, but he'll kick inside. He's only 6'2", I think maybe 6'3". He worked at center at the Senior Bowl. And you're, no, I'm with you, Emery. I love Zion Johnson. Um, that was the only question I had. All, all these are fantastic offensive lines. Yeah, so. I, I feel like if there's any group, the two groups, it's defensive line and, and, and by the way, quickly, line. sorry, Brenton, just so you know, Zion Johnson transferred from Davidson. He was an academic oh. All-American, so he's he's that dude's smart, too. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Didn't really and that's think not college in FBS, too. Yeah. Didn't, I actually didn't know Davidson had a football team. But I didn't either. My grandfather and his brother played football at Davidson way back in the day. Do they know Steph Curry? Uh, no, I covered Davidson and Steph Curry in college. Okay. I broadcast a Davidson game when he played Georgetown. Oh, really? Oh, I, yeah. did. I was uh, I was at the I did the uh, UNCG uh, Davidson game. It was fun twice actually. I walked in with Steph and uh, and Mrs. Curry uh, one time. That was fun. Anyway, is, I mean, I think, is, uh, not Steph. Um, Dale. That's gonna say. Anywho, uh, your guy Wilson, who you pounded the table for uh, on this list. Tyler Linderbaum. I basically explained why a moment ago, especially yeah. if he's if we're talking about after pick nineteen. I I've heard uh, I think it was I, Lance Zerline over on NFL.com, and yeah. uh, I think Brandon Thorne did it too. Have comped him to Travis or to Jason Kelsey, excuse me. Which Ooh. I mean, Jason That's, Kelsey is probably a Hall of Fame center. 
And, yeah, and, and he's I think he came back this year. This may be his final year, too. Probably so his final year, yeah. He only has two picks, and you know, they have, we've talked about and wide receiver and that's why it would be interesting. You know, the Eagles have those two picks there. Like, if you want Tyler Linderbaum and you want to take him at 15, you could do it, right, Emory? I don't know if you guys saw my recent sports.com 2022 uh, NFL mock draft, <laughs> but uh which is up now on the website. But I do I, I do have Philly taking Tyler Linderbaum, and, and the, the point I made was I know people probably feel as though Dickerson is the heir apparent, but if he's balling out at guard, why not draft the best center, you know, mm-hmm. and leave him at guard? That way you have excellence on the interior offensive line. By the way, um, I know why Emory loves Thibodeau because no one is all about their brand more than Emory. <laughs> That's <laughs> hey, why he hey, loves Hey, 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 hey. No, he's always, hey, I'm not, I'm not you hating on him. Be, you I'm saying, you're, you're, you're he, saying that he's more about his brand than I'm about my brand? Well, Emory actually, through the course of conversation, works in the stuff he's doing, and you're just talking about nonsense. Like, you're talking about where you're going to go play golf. By the way, everybody's, everybody's got, I didn't, like, even JJ's doing a mock draft. Jonathan Jones yeah, he just did his, he just did his right first now. one today. Yeah, he has the, uh, the Seahawks trading up with the Panthers to take, Take Malik. Malik. Read the blurb there, which is very interesting from Malik. You got it in front of you? I pitched this trade to a GM last week. And he said it was the only scenario available where Willis actually goes top 10. Seattle needs a quarterback. Carolina wants to trade back. Seahawks have a second rounder to give. Panthers GM Scott Fitterer came from Seattle. So I think it's very interesting that the GM he spoke with thought this is the only way Malik goes top 10, which, you know, that 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 would be, that would be again, one of those crazy storylines Emory was talking about because we have no idea what's going to happen. Well, I mean... <laughs> I would also point out that the Seahawks could simply draft him at nine, and that would also get him into the top ten. But I mean, <laughs> I digress. <laughs> like, like, or the Falcons could take him, or the Lions could take him. All right, I don't want to get sidetracked here, but over under, how many quarterbacks go in the top ten? I will Ooh. take the under on whatever number. One, you one and a half. Oh, under. 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 I'll take. The, I think the the line would actually be a half, and the under. You think is the line's like, going to be a half on quarterbacks in the top ten? I do too, but Prisco keeps saying everyone I talk to says two quarterbacks are going in the top. And then 10. he doesn't mock them or he doesn't like say anybody's going to do it. Right. It's because no. people are trying to feed Pete info to get him to talk about it. He's like, I won't. No, I'm not getting used. I'm sick no, and tired I, of being I, used. I'm with you guys. No one uses me. <laughs> I'm with you guys. I'm I don't, my I, own man. I think, uh, <laughs> I think only one goes. Um, but I thought JJ's note was interesting, at least to the GM he spoke with. That sure. if Malik um, doesn't go, then no one's going. Your no buyer beware. Thinking. We got to get to this. Okay, I don't even have this slander on this podcast. Your buyer beware is Icky Aquano. And here's the only reason why. Nikki told us this at the combine. He said, look, man, I need to work on my pass sets. Yeah. That's it. So that's the that's the one little, it ain't even a red mark. It's written in like pencil uh, with a little a pinkish hue. He's um, a, he is an elite, elite, elite run blocker. and Elite athlete. Yeah, elite absolutely. run blocker. Like, he, he puts dudes at the second level into the ground. I told him, I, I bring it up all the time. I told him my nickname for him is Dr. Pancake. That's I, right. I, I love him. And you know he's got all the syrup bottles, right? What does it say? Dave, oh, dude, Dave Dorian gave out syrup bottles for pancakes. Oh, okay. I thought he, he has like, a, like, he has like more than. Oh, he didn't tell us that. I thought he changed the. I thought you were going to tell me he stole my idea and then. Oh, gave I was going to say for something it. about a brand of syrup, but I, I don't want to. Oh, you hear that, Emory? He's afraid he can't say Yancha Mom on the time. I don't they cancel it. I don't know. <laughs> right. Like, you never know, man. You never it's know. 2022. Who the hell knows what you could say? That's why well, I'm holding off. Just I'm scared to wear a master's hat. I mean, just, uh, yeah. Um, just go ahead and say it and we'll work it out on the back end. No, 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 no. Not a hit the um, record button. But what I want to say about Icky is another kind of famous syrup. I couldn't even think of anything. Pearl Billy Company now. Yeah, exactly. I have some in my in uh in my cabinet. My what pants. kind is it? Pearl Milling Company. That's what they call Angel Mama 
Oh, know. they changed it. They changed, yeah, they changed it. it. Yep. I didn't know that. Oh, I don't. Okay, I don't so know it another. It is canceled. I don't know another syrup company like that from growing up. I don't even remember anything else. Um, oh wait, no! Oh my God! On the Pearl Mill and Compet, this is you know, like the a tangent, like the, like only this podcast can get off on. It's um, Pearl Mill and Company, like since ni- eighteen like forty five. It's like same great taste as Aunt Jemima. <laughs> oh, they put that on like, there, yeah. just so like, you know. Take the name off. <laughs> <laughs> like, they wrote it in like, small print. No, 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 no. Pearl Milling, perfectly fine. Um, uh, but our history, brand origins, and frequently asked questions. I wonder what it, <laughs> 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 is Pearl Milling Company new. Though new to store shelves, Pearl Milling Company was founded in 1888. <laughs> Will Pearl Milling syrup make me racist? Like <laughs> <laughs> frequently asked question: How will I know this is still Aunt Jemima? Did Aunt Jemima change her name to Pro Milling Company? Yes. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> are you discontinuing Aunt Jemima products? We can assure you there are no discontinuations of our products. This By the way, Emery. You want me Prince to put a black face on the damn syrup <laughs> bottle? Fine. Here. Boom. <laughs> like, it's like we have a te- we have in- we've included a sticker of Aunt Jemima. If you right. feel more comfortable <laughs> with her on your syrup products, please attach this to the Pearl Milling. St- <laughs> the funny Milo thing is Davis on a syrup bottle now. The funny thing is, Emory, he was afraid to say Aunt Jemima. He just said it 25 times once he's reading I'm reading it, it off the website now. <laughs> but anyway, the icky thing, what I was gonna say for Dr. Pancake <laughs> is that um in terms of the athleticism that you're talking about, Brinson, he was state wrestling champ. And the other stat that I love is that he ran the the anchor leg of the four by one hundred at two eighty five uh, in high school. Yeah, so the athleticism was there, but he just said, "I got to work on my pass sets." The thing is, he was so athletic against ACC competition, he was destroying guys without the the technique that he'll perhaps need in the, in the NFL. But I, I think um, that's just why I mentioned him as a sleeper, especially if you're ta- not a sleeper, but a by everywhere, especially if he's the first overall pick. We talked about Tri- Trayvon Walker earlier. That's a legit buyer beware, but this is just me feeling feeling out of box. I love Icky. I, I'm going to spend at least thirty to forty five minutes on the Pearl Milling um, uh-huh. company's <laughs> website. It's like, why is Aunt Jemima removing the image from the packaging and changing its name? It's like we are committed to progress, which includes both removing the image of Aunt Jemima and changing our name. Aunt Jemima has existed for more than 130 years, and we acknowledge that our origins were based on a racial stereotype. Wow, I mean, that well, you know, the lawyers told me I had to say that. So I guess so. That's crazy. Um, did not know about the promo thing. Uh, okay. Uh, sleeper in a small school standout for you. Rasheed Walker's my sleeper out of Penn State. My small school standout is Nick Zadell out of Fordham. He went to Fordham, right? Is that right? Yeah. Him, Fordham. Uh, yeah. Fordham. I want to make sure I didn't get that wrong. Yeah. So Walker, I, I, that, that's where Nick Costos went. Yeah. Yeah, so did uh, I think Stat Boy went there too. Chase Edmonds Fordham. Is that right? right? Chase Edmonds Fordham. Yep. Yeah. The Stat, I don't want to call him Stat Boy. What's Stat Boy's Tony Reale? Yeah. Did Tony Reale go there? I don't think he goes by step. He did anymore. went to went to Fordham. Yeah, he went to Fordham too. He went to Fordham with um, uh, Spiro. What's Spiro's last name? Diaz. Spiro yeah, Diaz. I think they went to Fordham <laughs> together. I couldn't remember Tony Reale's last name. I wouldn't call him Stat Boy if I could remember. That's why. But I knew yeah, he, he, he did go to Fordham. Just checked. Yeah, but, I think Spiro. He and Spiro Diaz right were. Yeah, yeah, I think he and Spiro Diaz were 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 dudes back in the day. Anyway, enough about Fordham. I'll talk about that in a second. Rasheed Walker. Insane athlete. We talk about Aki Kwanu being an athlete. He is a really good athlete. He's just up and down. And I've, I've talked to, to scouts that, that say he probably goes on day three, but he has day two talent. If he can put it together, uh, he's a guy that can be uh, a quote-unquote steal. I mean, go watch the Michigan game. He's shutting down Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo, and that's for real. And uh, he had a, a couple 
slip-ups in the first series where he got smoked. And after that, he locked him down. So I love him there. Uh, Nick Sedell, um, what did the senior bowl? And he looked out of place. Like he looked like one of those guys that was deer in headlights, but they played, they played, I think they played either Wisconsin or Nebraska. I can't remember which game it was. He looked like he fit in and he looked like he, he was a, a really good football player. He may have just been nervous or whatever. I don't know. in mobile, but again, he's a guy that sometimes the situation, especially these, these smaller school guys, it can be overwhelming when you're there with a bunch of five stars. Um, but I think he's a, he's a, a good football player. We saw that um, during the course of the season, and he's a day three guy who I think can, can be a, a good contributor at the next level. May have to kick inside the guard, may play right tackle, maybe plays right tackle. I don't know, but um, I, I wanted to give him a little shout out here. I dig it. Um, all right. We would have kept this under an hour were it not for. The uh, 12 minutes we talked about the uh, top of the draft. And then, of course, the syrup conversation. That, yeah, that we learned there. something today. I know. I know. Very, very About you. <laughs> you. I read off the website. Um, Emery, as always, man, a pleasure. Make sure and check out. Uh, at, it's at FBall Game Plan on Twitter. Check out. It's, it, I've obviously forgotten. It's, it's football, is it footballgameplan.com slash 2022? Draft guide? Correct. I didn't forget. There we go. I checked that out for an excellent uh, draft guide from Emory. Yeah, I'm not going to promote Wilson. You see him all the time. You know where to get his stuff. Junior draft analyst at CBSports.com. Go read his mock drafts uh, for Emory, for Wilson. I'm Brinson. Thanks for watching. We will talk to you guys later. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.